You'll never believe who does the intro today, Matt. Uh, you. It's me, and this is it. Wow. Okay. Yes, this is the Chips and Bits podcast. Well, you're you're very um, you're very uh, red. Oh, you mean like I'm showing up as red in your ear? No, no, like you sound red in 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 my ear. Oh no, I mean everything looks fine from here. Okay. Oh, uh, there's a little red. Good. You mean I'm just obnoxiously loud? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm turning up the volume so that I can hear you more in my headset, but it also sounds like, you know, when you turn up a, an amp too hard and it sounds like overblown? I'm distorting. You're distorting, much. yes. Yeah. Well, now I can speak softer. Great. Yeah, you sound great and now. And carry a big stick. Cool. Okay, hold on. I'm turning myself down just a little, just in case I get too excited. No, that was good. You got really excited and you didn't didn't do that thing anymore. All right. Remember to enunciate and let's start the podcast. She didn't do that stupid Yahoo thing. Yahoo! Okay. Now that sounds like Mario. Like going, Woohoo! Woohoo! Hello, uh, everybody. Welcome to the Chips and Bits podcast. I'm Kenny Myers. And I'm Matthew Anderson. And uh, a little bit of housekeeping we have a Patreon and a website uh, separately. You can find everything on our website site, chips and bits.com. Um, that'll show you where you can do iTunes reviews, give us money on Patreon, uh, or just check out Matt's beautiful, timeless design. And I say timeless because he never updates it. Mm, that is true. So it's timeless. And uh, today we're going to talk about Ori and the Will of the Wisps. The Will of the Wisps. The, the, the Will of the Wisps. The Will of the Wisps. Uh, which is a sequel to a game that we did review, I believe. Yep. It, yep. Ori and the Blind Forest. Yes. Um, and I guess we'll start out with a very simple question for you, Matt. What did you think of Ori? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I had I had a very difficult time sort of just deciding where I landed on on this game. Did you struggle through your playthrough? Uh, you mean like with uh bugs or anything? No, I mean just like you know sometimes you slow down when you're playing a game and. Uh, because it's harder to push through it for you. No, not really. Um, the, the I mean, that's thing, a pretty good sign for you. Yeah, the, the, there. I did have some struggles with this game, but it wasn't. Um, it had nothing to do with time constraints or me just not being interested in it. Uh, I think that go on. The, the overwhelming thing at first was it starts out very simple and very similar to the original. Uh, they lay out the story pretty quick in some you know delightful little cutscenes. And then they do this thing right away, which is the thing I hate almost the most of any video game. And it's when they teach you. They don't, they don't just give you a power and take it away. But as part of the tutorial, they teach you how to use this thing. And you do it, and then they immediately take that power away from you. And you don't get it for, like, you know, hours. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about that before we even started talking about this. Because I was looking through just the walkthrough to sort of... Uh, catch up on uh, like what happened um remind myself 
Uh, I'm kidding. I don't play these games. I mostly just um, I mostly just watch Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and I remember particularly what you're talking about is using like a, a, it's like a floating mechanism where you like hover through the air. Yeah, it's like a feather. Well, it's a it's a leaf first, isn't yeah. it? Or is it a feather? A, a leaf beginning? feather. I think it's a feather. Yeah, it's probably a feather. And you use it to hover like you would in a game. Not like hover, hover, float, float. Yeah, f- glide, yeah. And I thought about how they teach you this mechanic. And usually when they teach you a mechanic like that, in 99% of the games, you can use it in the first scenario. But you can't use this for half of the game. Yeah, no, not not at all. Literally half of the game, this mechanism doesn't reappear. And then, oddly enough, expects you to remember how to use it. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was so obnoxious. It really was. And I think like the, the icing on the cake was I think that they showed you how to use it. You know, like, I also have disliked it in the past when you've started a game and you've been full of armor and full of powers and something happens where it gets stripped. Ah, the old Metroid. You, you know, something happens. It gets stripped. Yeah. I get it. But it used to be the case that you were just stumbling through it anyway. So it was all part of the sort of stumbling and feeling out process and still annoying, but it felt like part of the clunk. And in this, the fact that they specifically called out with instruction, press, you know, hold the right trigger to glide. And then three seconds later, they took that ability away from you. I was like, what was the point of that? Was it um, Guacamele that actually started you out like fully powered and yeah. then you got better powers? Yeah, you, you you start well. It was Guacamelee two where That's you started I mean. out fully powered based on Guacamelee one. Yeah. And then they took it away, and then you got really amazing. Powers. So I mean, that's that's like a genre trope for this kind of game. Period. Totally, totally. Like, um, like started by its great, you know, predecessors, uh, Metroid. Pretty much all the Metroid games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but, it, but because it was just the very initial, you know, first blush with this game, it was just very hard to not mention that right off the cuff. But the 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 thing that was uh I think the most problematic for me was the the map slash wayfinding slash just figuring out what I was supposed to be doing and where I was supposed to be going at any point in time. Mm-hmm. It was super confused. I mean the map is huge and it is a, a you know Metroidvania game in the sense that you do and a, gross. Yeah, an, an an awful lot of backtracking. You go all the way through the different parts of the levels multiple times. But they they don't do a very good job of describing to you the, the difference between all the different stuff that's on the map. So there's there's not a very good discrepancy between a primary story mission, a side mission, a pickup, a this, a that. So at at first, they just pile a whole bunch of stuff onto this map and you're staring at it like, okay, there's 20 different things I can do, but I don't know what any of these things are. And, and the um, fog of war effect is super confusing because this isn't a traditional game in the sense of you're going to be going in map directions, northwest, east, south, or even up, down, left, right. It's very full of caves that sometimes go up into it. So you, you, you'd see a waypoint that was you know diagonally up into the left but the way that you needed to get there was to go down left up right up left 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 up so it wasn't helpful in any way that you couldn't see where you were going um, i don't know i feel like they solved that problem with the map maker there was a map maker there's a lot there's characters in this one versus the first one there is there's a few characters in the first one but this one there's like npcs who give you quests and stuff yeah and yeah. one of them is of course the traditional map maker and that's that's like that reveals those if you can find them. 
you know? I mean, it is like a little side thing, but I feel like that's part of the fun of these games. Yeah, I mean, there's some... The quality of life at the end of the game is is great. I'm just comparing that to your initial experience with sitting down and picking up what you expect to be the sort of um, very accessible platform Metroid game. And instead, it's it's very overwhelming at first, and not in the sense where it's like, oh, cool, there's so much stuff to do. It's more. It was for me. It was more like, oh my god, there's just so much stuff to do. Like, what am I supposed to be doing, and where am I going? Um, so that was it. You know I mean, what? That's, yeah. It's really interesting. I'm going to interject here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, because for me, this game wasn't like that at all. And I think the difference between this is between uh, Guacamelee 2 and this game, which are probably the two Metroidvanias we both played. Is that fair to say? Is there another one I'm missing? Uh, not that I can think of. I played Bloodstained, which is a Castlevania style Right, yeah. The the Vania part. And that map is in, like, unbelievable. So, like, with <laughs> this map was like a breath of fresh air. Like, I this was so accessible to me in all the ways that the genres makes it accessible. I like how they reveal the map. I like where they hide things and how some things are unclear even when they're revealed. Like, there's things to figure out still, and I really appreciate that. Interesting. Yeah, well, you know. To each their own, Kenny. I mean, I guess if you just want a linear game that just tells you a story, you can play Fire whatever. What's it called? The one we Firewatch. Really you just play Firewatch, Matt. If that's what you want in your day, in your time with games, then you just have them handhold you until they slap you. No, I mean, the thing is, I actually, like I said, once once you get into the game, you know, I don't, I, I don't know when it was or at what point, but as you start to get powers, as you start to understand... Um, I guess the 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 flow of the game, uh, it's it's that it becomes much better. It, it's a much better experience. So I'm not trying to say, you know, that the game was terrible in any capacity. I'm just saying there were ways, you know, like they could have, um, for example, confined you t- more to a single area at first to to show you how to navigate. Like that navigation was very wide open and not limited to one direction or another and sort of taught you a little bit slower uh, how to how to do some of that stuff. And, and instead, they just kind of leave the whole map open at first, um, which again, it's, you know, it's just a decision. I'm just... I, I just mean, they don't really leave it all open. Right. There are certain areas that are blocked off, but it's... Yeah, they're, they're inaccessible it's because pretty you need expansive to get powers. It's pretty expansive. It's it's huge though. I mean, I will say this game is huge and gorgeous, but that goes without saying. This is a chips and bits podcast. Of course, we're talking about a beautiful game. Yes, like that's the first thing. When once Matt sees a beautiful trailer, we can add it to the list to talk about, guaranteed. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is. It's a really good looking game. <laughs> and I think we were both fortunate enough. We started playing it after because I've heard there were performance issues, but we played it after they did a big uh, performance patch and didn't run into any of them again, though. Your mileage may vary. We have overpriced PCs because we're monster people. Yes. Um, but not sponsored by Monster Cable because uh, that's also a racket, just like our PCs. You did. You brought up a sort of guacamole. And, you know, I mentioned briefly you know, a perceived difference between the first and the second. With this game, I would be interested to hear your perception on how you felt they improved. Uh, if at all, over the first game. 
So, uh, to me, this wasn't an improvement kind of game. Uh, this was like a more of the things that I liked about the other game. Like it wasn't like, um, they innovated. I mean, Guacamelee 2 was to that degree. There was, there wasn't much improvement to go in these kind of games. I mean, I have yet, like, I'm sure I don't want to like put a, a straight up barrier on it because there's always surprises. Like, sure. Like, this is a pretty, this is a pretty like, uh, like trope tropey genre of game where everyone kind of knows how it works and really like the joy is in the presentation more so than like new gameplay elements so maybe like i mean if you think about what we did in ori and what we did in guacamelee and what we did in the one about the mountain girl whose name's forgetting i'm forgetting right mountain now girl. oh celeste Celeste, which is less of a Metroidvania, more of a platformer, but similar sort of thing. We essentially were performing the same jump style stuff in all three of those games. That was like, I mean, it was the same kind of tricky jumps. Granted, Celeste was meant to be more challenging. Um, I mean, th there was nothing like when I unfold the power that lets me double jump. I'm not uh I'm not really surprised in a game like this. I'm not like, oh man, this really will open up the world. It right. does literally open up the world, but also it's just like, now I can go back and backtrack through the map and like, you're kind of conditioned to these games. And when I was playing this game, I was thinking, um, until they recently changed the formula, uh, Assassin's Creed games used to be like almost like a massage of some part, like, like they were just very relaxing, like, <laughs> like to just, they're just pointless, like to run around and get every treasure chest was just stupid. Yeah. But it was like this nice thing to look at that just was like, really, really uh, could get tedious. Um, and these sort of games, I'm starting to really enjoy in that way. Like, as long as they're really nice to look at, and they have none of them have incredible, well, this one more so I don't know. Guacamelee 2 is a comedy, so that's hard to pull off in general. Uh, but this one's story is good. And the first one's story was good, even though it's pretty much exactly the same story yeah, as right. each other. I mean, this is essentially Ori 1 with nicer graphics. like, But Ori 1 is beautiful, too. So it's just like, if you like playing this style of game, I guess to get really back to your question, uh, I don't remember your question. It was well. I'll I'll touch on it in sort of my recap because I think we're both on the same page. You know, I I basically just felt that this was Is that Zencaster.com, the same web page we're using to do this podcast. Yes, oh, I wish we had sponsors. Um, yeah, I felt it was same old, same old Ori. Which, again, to your point, that's not bad. Ori was great, and this one, once you settle into it, was also great in many ways. I think that sort of maybe that highlights better than all the rambling I did at the beginning of the podcast as to why getting into this game was somewhat frustrating for me because there wasn't that there wasn't anything new that I needed to spend time on. And I, I wish they would have either thrown me into it faster or not made it so cumbersome at the beginning because once, once it eventually grew on me, right. And once I got, once it did grow on me and I got into the pace of things, it did again, become one of those games that you could just sit down and kind of relax into and to your point I, I wouldn't have used the term massage like you did I guess but like maybe like it's more meditative than some other games you just sort of are enjoying the process less than you are you know being challenged by a game 
the caveat there is that then you'd get a boss fight and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm playing a game. Because <laughs> uh, the true. boss fights in this were super challenging. They were um, they were pretty good. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember all the different bosses. They were really good. Obviously, they looked really fun. And they used powers in like unique enough ways. Um, but now I have to look up like who the bosses were. Because I just remember... Uh, and a giant frog. Don't forget the giant toad. The frog. You fight the frog. Toad. Uh, oh, the toad. That's a cool one. Yeah. Uh, in the first story, they really didn't have bosses so much as they had escape sequences. Yeah. And they, this did, was, they had a couple of those in this one, too. This one was like half and half. It was like half escape. Well, more fights than escapes. This was a much more uh, fight-based game yes. like than the previous one, which was more of a platformer. Um. But I do remember, like, what was the one that I never really struggled too much in the fights here. But yeah, I wouldn't say I died, you know, more than a couple of times for each boss until the very the final boss fight, which I thought was super, super difficult. It took me multiple evenings to to beat the final boss. <laughs> That's the amazing bird. Yeah, the three, the like four sequence bird with. I'm just gonna call this bird the best bird in gaming. Like, oh yeah, it's it's, it's great. It's so creepy, mm -hmm. and has a really like interesting story. Uh, although not unique in its in its design. Uh, no, but, but they, the, it was a really good like. Over, I mean, the story, like over, the design. Yeah, overblown, ugly duckling. You know, evil bird story. <laughs> oh my gosh! But the bird, it just like, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, like I, that it was such a creepy, well done villain uh, that fighting it was a joy until they got rid of my platforms. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was, which was the last sequence, the final sequence, which is just a a daisy chain of having to uh, cast shoot your, yourself, cast yourself through missiles. But you can't always go in the direction that you would like and that is easiest because the, the enemy also then zooms across the screen. So you have to be m constantly moving, but not moving in the direction of the enemy until there's an opportunity to, to attack. And then hopefully you timed your jumps well enough that you could get over there and actually do some damage. Man, it was that was definitely like you had to save your health um, on all of your subsequent saves. And it man, that was really hard. It was uh, it was really fun though yeah. like i liked it i accept there this period i'm talking about when you're doing that jumping the uh the boss fight the last boss fight inter intermix uh, blah, intermixes between uh escape sequences and fighting mm -hmm. and so it was unclear at that point if i was entering another escape sequence or what to do next like i just i jumped to the right in the hopes of making something oh, it and seemed died. like i was yeah. getting somewhere and then i just died <laughs> and then i tried like Jumping to the left or staying on a platform, and then I realized what was happening. Yep. Uh, anyway, one, that's my fun. That's my fun bird boss story. Story. There's a so the you know I did allude to the fact um, and harp a little bit that this is sort of like just same old Ori. A couple of things that uh, I certainly noticed that I did think were different and better or unique in some way. They I really enjoyed the way that they tied the. Uh, collection like the collectibles into this sort of i wouldn't call it base building but unlockable uh scenario in the game there was a particular npc that um they 
put into the game and you could collect these certain powers and then, or sorry, not powers, but like money and that money you could then use to purchase certain things. And those things then unlocked different areas or activated uh, jump pads or boosters within the level that you could then use to access different areas on the map. And I thought that was really cool how they did that. Uh, First of all, I hear your wife's uh, cackling in the background. Oh, that's cool. hilarious. Uh, that, so there you go. Everyone proof that Matt isn't a robot or at least, you know, has a nice robot wife. Yes. Uh, any game that throws in a base improvement mechanic is always going to be a, a little more positively viewed in my, in my <laughs> mind. Like I love base improvement mechanics, be it, you know, part of the core game mechanic, like um, Assassin's Creed 2 or um, XCOM, or just like this game with just a nice little side quest where it just makes an area interesting and unlocks interesting things sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, I just love it. It's just like one of my favorite dumb, like, it's just so great. Like any, anything I can, any game that adds a base improvement mechanic, uh, not a base building mechanic, but like taking a shithole and then by the end of the game you're like maxed out getting super weapons from the weapon store you helped rebuild right this is like i just love those mechanisms and this one uh was i think ori appropriate version of that mechanism yep i would agree the the characters were really actually quite lovable in this game they were really well designed yeah even uh even to the extent of some of the just pointless npcs that are on the screen there's these you know there's there's spiders and these weird i think they're called mokis there's little you know yeah. weird fox they're like characters. lemurs yeah they're, they're like, like lemurs. lemurs and they're all over the the world you have to talk to them just like in any other game to get side quests if you're into that sort of thing and so it was really cool that every time you would talk to them they had this really either sweet or funny or interesting story that was only like three sentences long most of the time, but it was more than enough to get you interested in going and fetching whatever thing it was that they wanted you to go get. And I also really liked that they were very rarely one-to-one quests. Uh, They did that thing in this game where you'd talk to this one NPC and they'd say, oh man, I'm so cold. If only I had a bowl of soup. And then you'd find a bowl of soup and you'd give it to him and They'd be like, oh, cool. Thanks for the soup. Here's a hat. And you'd be like, what do I need a hat for? And then later on in the game, you'd talk to another character and be like, if only I had a hat. So all these different side missions like interconnected with each other with the different things you'd be collecting throughout the world. And you had to sort of remember where they were placed and be constantly thinking about what the things were that you'd been requested of in the back of your mind as you pick that stuff up. I thought that was really interesting, too. That particular quest had a really great payoff, too. I don't recall. What was it? So if you finish that, it, it was a whole, like, meet all the characters, give them some item kind of thing throughout the maps, finding different little creatures. And then at the end, you unlock, essentially, a map of where all the items are. Like, everything yes. hidden yeah, yeah. is revealed. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, you just I just went and found everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I really enjoy finding everything in these fucking games. <laughs> Except Bloodstain, I had to stop because it was just too ridiculous. Like the it, they just it wasn't rewarding enough. But here it was rewarding enough. Like I had max health and max mana, and it was great. Yeah. And yeah. max money, money. There's a currency in this one. 
I don't know if I had max money, but I certainly didn't have an interest in buying all the things that I needed to buy and had tons of money. I bought all the upgrades. There's we didn't talk about the um the emblem system. What is it called? There uh Oh yeah, um uh, I can't remember. It'll come to me. It's like a character. We're really good at this. Yeah. Here, I'm going to let I'm, you I'm get gonna, inspired. I'm going to Google it and while I'm you talk. some music. No, um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spirit uh, shards. I find a massage very, very zen and meditative. I don't know about you. Um, shards. Yes, spirit shards. Spirit uh, shards. So there was like health and mana, which you could upgrade in a certain way. And then you had these spirit shards that you found throughout the map and they unlocked certain powers. Some good, some, some had trade-offs rare, rarely, but, and then some just had different things. But by the end of the game, if you found everything, you, you could have five of them. And I think there were like fucking 30 of them. Yeah. Um, and it just got like, I don't know, like Systems like that, similar to like Diablo three, where you're like switching out like what your your character build on the fly for things. I don't know if I'm as fan of us just like building a super character. What do you mean? Well, I like like creating the Uber character at the end. Like this one, you get some good ones that you can like power up, and I got all of them. I I definitely got all of them, um, and upgraded all the ones I could. Um, but and I had a pretty powerful character. But what I want is all the spirit shards to be activated. Got it. And it, you know, or at least like make it be a decision tree versus like a, a like a. I like to have sort of like a fate sort of. Right. So uh, you've either you've committed to it. You're not because to your point, even though you can only use five at one time, and you sort of gravitated towards a handful of them, there were occasions in which maybe you just couldn't beat this boss so you wanted more health and so when you're running around the map with the secrets one activated you'd swap that out for an extra health bar to beat that enemy so it was a little bit more plug and play which can be a little irritating yeah i uh i i just hate it when it's plug and play and there's no clear victors i had ones i favored Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like 20% more against flying creatures would have been valuable against the bird, I guess, in the end, if they consider it a flying creature. Ah, I didn't but even I was think like, of that. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? I fucking love this triple jump, so I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, I mean, well, triple jump was necessary against the bird, too. Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, like, that's the trade-off. Like, it seems so ridiculous. Like, why not just give me both? Like, 20% improvement in battling against flyers or, like... You know, you get a two additional health. Like, just yep. fucking give me both. <laughs> or make me decide between one of them. Yeah. You know? No, like, make it. me craft a character from it. I'm just, like, the sort of responsive character building. I'm not a fan of that technique. Yeah. Like, responding to situations with character builds is not, uh, like, with, with stats. I'm okay with weapons. Like, that I can understand a little bit better, and you could argue that it's arbitrary, really, what the difference is. But, uh, you know, uh, this isn't a game generalist podcast. It's a game review podcast. It's, so yes, I have opinions about stupid, arbitrary things, and you all have listened to it for 27 minutes. Oof, that's such a long time. Probably 26 minutes, really, after this gets edited down. 
It's and amazing then, that we could talk about 26 minutes for the game like Ori. <laughs> yeah, well, then that bodes well for our next game next month. Let's wrap up, though. I think you can't... I I can recommend Ori if you, A, enjoyed the first or just want to play, like, a beautiful, plat, like, Metroid game. Like, it's... You, I, ne- I wouldn't think anyone who went through it would be like, what a sh- like, what a piece of shit game. Like, you know, it was a good game. It yeah, just no, wasn't an yeah. amazing game. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. And I don't. Ho- hopefully, my my initial diatribe doesn't didn't taint it too much because I, I like I said, eventually it grew on me, uh, and I was quite fond of it by the end. It's it's a really well put together game, and it was super fun to play. Uh, I think this was definitely a situation in which. I had some expectations and you know based on playing the first game and then it's not that those expectations weren't eventually answered it was that I f- I felt like they put roadblocks in the way of me get- getting to those expectations and then they were eventually there so I was like yeah this is what I was looking for but I wish they just hadn't put the stumbling blocks in, in front of me so once I got through that it was great Yeah and I would say just play it you got fucking nothing better to do I mean I mean, they, they might. They're all well. That's true. Some of them might. I don't want to assume anything, but I'm gonna. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, it's it's like what twelve hours, fifteen if you're going everywhere, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd say enjoy, it's it's an enjoyable, breezy game. Maybe play it when there's a lull between, uh, I don't know, fucking League of Legends patches. Mm. Sure. Uh, the the people play League of Legends. That's what they do. What I hear. I understand it's what the kids do. I think the kids play Fortnite, actually, Kenny. No, I think the kids stopped playing Fortnite, and now they're just uh, playing their their Zoom calls and their uh, uh, Xbox Sevens and their uh, God of uh, Dota Three. Sounds great. You know what? I like to end these podcasts strong. Anyway, this is the Chips and Bits podcast. With me, as always. Matthew Anderson. And I'm Kenny Myers, and thanks for listening. I guess we recommend Ori maybe like, you know, as a good game. Yeah. A I think, solid game. I think game. we do. It's solid. Yeah. Um, next month, I think we'll, well, we haven't quite landed on it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about another indie game of a different type. Ooh. Unless we're not. Right. Anyway, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I love you. Me too. I'm talking about you, Matt, not oh. the audience. Yeah, I don't going. love the audience. They're faceless, nameless creatures. Well, I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Nothing? Not even back? Nope. Okay. Bye.